0: Hi, this is Dr. Ziegenbein, your favorite rheumatologist and fibromyalgia expert coach. Fibromyalgia has the capacity to rule and even ruin your life. I am here to show you how to stand up to it, how to be your fibromyalgia boss once and for all. Hello everyone. I am super excited to introduce the um, episodes number 22 and 23. They are both with Dr. Lisa Rankin and I chose to split the interview with her because the first part was so powerful. I wanted to end when we finished and you'll. I'm inviting you to listen. It's truly incredible uh, where Dr. Lisa Rankin demonstrates a healing meditation that is used in IFS, internal family systems. In any case, Dr. Lisa Rankin is a board certified OBGYN physician and artist, best-selling author. Uh, Mind Over Medicine was first published in 2013 and then updated with new information in 2020. And she has a new book coming out in just a couple of weeks. I think the publication date is April 5th for Sacred Medicine. It is on a pre-order now. Dr. Lisa Rankin is a founder on Whole Health Medicine Institute for Physicians, Whole Health Medicine Institute for Physicians, and that I'm participating still and about to graduate successfully in a couple of weeks. And she is all about teaching and combining method of Western or traditional medicine and non-traditional method that we don't use in a regular practice every day. She's focused on healing and discovering what works, what makes people sick and what makes people better. It was a great honor to have her and I truly hope you enjoy the interview as much as I did. Hello, everyone. I am super excited to have Dr. Lisa Rankin. On today's show. I'm actually still pinching myself and I'm going to explain to you in a moment. I'm a huge fan of Dr. Rankin and that's my disclosure to you and disclaimer. Dr. Rankin is a board certified OBGYN physician who quit her practice many years ago before it was popular for or before it was fashionable for physicians to launch into the unknown. She was uh, a partner in a practice where she had maybe seven or 10 minutes for a patient and she was not in charge of her schedule or her patients or her time. She was overwhelmed. There were other uh, things going on and she jumped. She quit regular medicine. However, I want to stress that Dr. Rankin never Uh, resigned on Western medicine. She believes and appreciates Western medicine. We'll talk about in a moment. And she basically went different route. I first want to welcome you, Dr. Rankin. I followed, I didn't want to go into too much introduction. Welcome to my show. Thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to be here,
1: Martina, and just delighted to be
0: able to support what you're doing as well. Thank you so much. So I was going to explain a little bit I, why I have you on my show. I just want to let my listeners know who may not know, although I doubt that anybody doesn't know yet, you have your published international well-known author, a TEDx speaker, you are a healer and a seeker. Your New York Times bestseller book, Mind Over Medicine, was a huge hit. And you published like an edition or I'm not sure how it's properly called. When you discovered that your six steps were not entirely in the order you now practice or teach, so you basically published... An updated version of it, Mind Over Medicine, the six steps. You are the founder of um, Whole Health Medicine Institute that I'm about to graduate from. And I was so excited to join. And the reason I invited you here, and I'm so, so honored that you are here, is because fibromyalgia is believed to be caused by overregulated nervous system. And that in part or in large part is to unresolved or past traumas. People with adverse childhood experiences are at higher risk for developing a whole host of chronic diseases and chronic pain is just one example. And you are all about healing past traumas. I mean, you you were many heads and you are about many things, but that is one of the first things you teach us or teach physicians in your Whole House Medicine Institute on the first retreat. It's called Actually Heal the Healer. And that's one of the major topics you address, how to heal past traumas. Can you speak to me, uh, to us a little bit about that?
1: Well, I think it's a well, first of all, I want to say to anybody who's listening, I'm assuming that you're talking to, you know, mostly people with fibromyalgia or other healers who are working with people with fibromyalgia. Yes. And yes. so I just always like to start by saying like, somebody is suffering from the symptoms of fibromyalgia, I'm so sorry. I never want to skip past the empathy piece because, you know, as doctors, we have a tendency to go into now, how do we fix it? But the reality is that when people are, are dealing with some of these kind of mystery illnesses like that, it's a tremendous amount of suffering. And it's often people who are quite young and would be otherwise functional, more functional. And so I just want to start with saying, I'm really sorry if anyone who's listening is still suffering. And I know a lot of the people in that category of illness have tried so many things and they've seen every doctor and done everything that's covered by their insurance. And then often they've depleted their life savings, trying like everything in alternative medicine and everything in sort of lifestyle medicine and functional medicine and the wellness industries. And they've changed their diet and worked on their microbiome and meditated and done yoga. And the people that I was taking care of when I was seeing some fibromyalgia patients before I left my practice, gosh, it's been 12 years now, you know, those people had, were often literally doing everything right. They were like, the choir, you know, they weren't people that were, you know, indulging a bunch of bad habits, and they had already done everything to try really hard to have good health outcomes. So it's a tremendously frustrating disease for a lot of people, and so I, I hope that we can enter into this conversation with both sort of empathy for the suffering that fibromyalgia patients endure, but also maybe with some hope. I mean, the reason to talk about the nervous system. And trauma, because that can be a very triggering conversation for people, especially if people never if people were not aware that there's a link between chronic nervous system overstimulation or dysregulation and trauma and fibromyalgia or some of those other mystery illnesses. That can be like a big like, what really? I have to deal with my trauma if I want to get rid of my symptoms. But I do think it's quite hopeful. I, I actually think. This is a patient population that potentially can enjoy the, the, some of the greatest benefit from doing the work on bringing the nervous system into greater harmony. And I'm sure we'll talk about polyvagal theory and things like that. But before we do, we can just talk about the what it takes to bring the nervous system into a relaxed, rested, restored place where chronic in- inflammation can settle down and chronic pain can settle down and those hypersensitive neuronal responses to the central nervous system and the peripheral nervous system and how all of that is impacted by the immune system and the endocrine system and the inflammatory system and all of that is of course totally tied in together so i also just want to say we're not in any way saying it's all in your head it's absolutely in your body, like every cell of your body is. Impacted. No. And I
0: really appreciate the perspective. I didn't mean to rush to the conversation. I guess I do cover that concept that absolutely the pain is real and we don't fully understand all the system that are dysregulated. But one of the current theories is that it starts with the nervous system and that because the neurons that fire together wire together the biggest hope is or the the presumption is that it can be rewired that's one of the reasons we do this work or the people who are in the pain reprocessing therapies that we truly believe and that the rewiring is possible but i truly appreciate the introduction and kind of the perspective that you came up with that you came with of course acknowledging pain and acknowledging the suffering and the fact that the pain is real so thank you for that i appreciate that yeah so you mentioned that you had fibromyalgia patients or patients with fibromyalgia stuff prior practice. Do you hear stories now? You are leading the group healing with the Muse, if I'm correct. And do you do you hear stories about people healing from fibromyalgia utilizing the trauma processing or participating in your sessions healing with the Muse? Have you have you had any stories of success?
1: Well, I do, and and that's part of what was sort of. The big breakthrough in my research for my seventh book, which is coming out April fifth, Sacred Medicine, I spent ten years and traveling around the world, working with shamans in Peru and qigong masters from China and energy and faith healers and gurus and uh, and cutting edge trauma therapists. And the big breakthrough was sort of the anecdotes that I was hearing because there's not a there's a ton of data. Proving basically the causal link between trauma and, and adult onset disease, childhood trauma and adult onset disease. That's really clear and pretty mainstream at this point. I mean, we have Nadine Burke Harris, our California Surgeon General here doing her TED Med talk about, she's a pediatrician talking about adverse childhood experiences and the incredible number of adult onset diseases and the decrease in longevity that goes with that if that's left untreated. So that, that part we have a lot of science about. We don't have a lot of science proving that if we treat trauma that you know longevity increases or that cancer goes away or that heart attacks are prevented like that's sort of the cutting edge of science right now we have some early data for example with one of the healing methods that we work with a lot in healing with the muse and in the whole health medicine institute internal family systems or IFS which is a one of the cutting edge trauma therapies and we have some early evidence based data showing that uh, using IFS to treat rheumatoid arthritis symptoms is now included in the evidence base and So I'm hopeful that we'll get more scientific evidence. But what I can tell you is that there are countless anecdotes. And as we know in in evidence-based medicine, like anecdotes don't count as science. They they are case studies, but case studies are not evidence. And and yet I think these these are these case studies point to where we need to try to collect more evidence because they're incredibly hopeful. And I think Mm what's what's exciting about that is to, you know, hear the stories from people who tried everything and nothing worked and then they finally sort of as a last resort were like okay I'm going to go into the deep root cause healing work trauma you know treating my traumas working with the nervous system to repattern and deal with all the memory reconsolidation and do the the neurological work and the emotional work to try to yeah bring the nervous system into more of a settled state and then they're like and then I've had anecdotally, patients tell me like my body has become like the canary in the coal mine. Like it is this finely tuned compass and I'll be symptom free. And all of a sudden I'll get a symptom. And it's like, it's an automatic trailhead. Like something's out of alignment in my life, or there's some trauma that I haven't gotten to yet. And, and my body is like, (laughs) it tells me when things are going well. And when there's something that's Maybe I've strayed off of my path in life or I'm selling out in some way or I've violated a boundary here or I should have said no, but I'm saying yes. And so I've had people actually, I've had people even tell me my fibromyalgia is my best friend now. Oh,
0: because, because when it flares, they know that something is on. Because
1: when it flares, it's like, um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: it, and the, and they catch it early and they've learned how to work with it. So it doesn't necessarily always go all the way away but they can catch it so early that they can do the nervous system work to address whatever's going on in present time or often it's whatever is activating in present time, something that's a past trauma. And they're able to link those and do the work right away. And, and some of them say like, I, my symptoms can go away in an hour. Like I'm so attuned to it. So that to me is like super cool.
0: Oh, Um, your own symptoms. When you experience your, your like somatic symptoms yourself.
1: Oh, no, I'm not talking about myself. I'm talking oh, about um, patients of mine and, mm-hmm. and clients mm-hmm. that I've worked with since then where I tend to get my messages in a less somatic way. I also have been doing a lot of trauma healing work on my own nervous system, but my for whatever reason, my system doesn't tend to somaticize as much. But some people, in other words, have these kind of highly sensitive somatic systems. And I'm saying it's a blessing and a curse, right? It's a curse because when we're not doing that work, then it just feels like suffering. But what I'm saying that I find sort of hopeful is that the people who have, are many years into doing that work now kind of see their flares as a trailhead of like, okay, here's a reminder of like the next layer of the, of the onion or the next clove of garlic. People tend to you know, use that metaphor for the spiritual path or the healing path of sort of peeling the onion or
0: cloves of garlic that- I see that it will lead you then to the core to the right. answer, right. got it. Right. I love that analogy. Thank you. I, I would just like for a moment to maybe let my listeners know who are not familiar with the trauma work and healing. You are a big fan of uh, IFS, internal family systems. I have not talked much about that on my podcast yet you are a friend of Dr. Richard Schwartz, who is the founder of it. He has worked with it for over 30 years. I'm about actually to start training with him. And would you mind just, I know that you cannot go into super details, but kind of summarize what IFS, the intro family systems, how it helps a human re-script the deep past traumas.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to acknowledge also like IFS has worked really well for me. I've been working with it for 8 years. I've been teaching it for about 6 and teaching with Dick Schwartz. So it's 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 one of those systems that's worked really well for me, but I just want to acknowledge that it's not like the it's not a panacea. It's not the perfect medicine for everybody. Some people do better with, you know, very gentle somatic work. Some people, you know, like organic intelligence or some of the somatic experiencing techniques or and some people do better with like some of the energy psychology techniques like advanced integrative therapy. And you know, there are many, many trauma healing methods out there. And so I just want to acknowledge that. Like,
0: and I thank you for that nuance. I didn't mean to imply that this is for yeah. everyone. I was just gonna focus on that a little bit because I know that you teach it and you are very much you have said many positive things about it. It has worked I for really, me. Yeah.
1: I really love <laughs> IFS and and it is one of the ones that I've seen some of the most remarkable anecdotes with when people are. Well, I'll get into let me give a little backstory and then I'll give a couple of anecdotes. So internal family systems was developed by Dick Schwartz, who was a family therapist, is a family therapist who was working with teenagers with eating disorders. And he was doing what therapists were taught to do with eating disorders, which is to work with the external family system. Because often those, you know, often teenage girls are in in family systems where there's a very controlling, enmeshed mother. And maybe an abusive dad and there's polarizations in the family and, you know, you get the family and their work together with the family and the child is just sort of the side effect of a lot of the family dysfunction. And so, you know, he was kind of operating under those family therapy Ideals, And sometimes that would mean, for example, well, you need to put mom in another room so you can get dad and the girl together or whatever and watch what's happening. So there's a lot of sort of ways to resolve the outer polarizations in the family. But then when he was doing like one-on-one therapy with these girls, he would be talking to them and they, would, you know, and he would say, you have to eat. Like your anorexia is going to land you in the hospital. You have heart disease. You're going to die. And he thought his job was to, like, bully the parts that would restrict food, for example, or the parts that would binge or the parts that would purge. And what he discovered, having effectively bullied those parts, is that the girls would come back in and they would have, like, a cut on their face or, you know, a suicide attempt. Mm. And so, and when he would talk to them, he would say, what happened? And he and they would say, well, the part of me that normally makes me restrict food you know, felt bullied by you, but then this other part came in and cut my face.
2: Yeah.
1: And he, and then he, what he discovered is that all of us have many parts inside of us that are polarized like that. And those of you that are listening, (coughs) everybody can identify with this because we all have made new year's resolutions where we have like a part that makes the resolution to do the good thing. And then we have a part like a week later that does the bad thing. And then we have a part that comes in and shames us for being weak. And then there's like a whole cycle of, you know, then the part that wants us to do better is like resolving again. And we loop around. There's like a cycle of addiction that all of us can relate to because all of us have parts that want us to do better. And all of us have parts that sabotage sort of our best efforts. And then all of us have inner critics that shame us for not being good enough. And, and so even just that makes us realize we're not just a unified self. And that's kind of a, that that was a big aha to Dick was like, wow, at first this kind of scared him. He thought, are, do we all just have multiple personality disorder or what's now called dissociative identity disorder? Some of you may recognize that from movies like Sybil or what is it, Three Faces of Eve or or whatever. Mm-hmm. And And what he realized is that those people with those extreme fragmentations in their personalities were just kind of an extreme version of all of us, that all of us have these little subpersonalities that he calls parts and that all of our parts think they're helping us. They all have good intentions for us, even if they're doing destructive things to us or even if they're hurting somebody else. And so when he started working with these teenagers to try to figure out like this part that won't let you eat, like, why does she do that? And these parts would, would start disclosing, well, because otherwise, you know, and they would start describing these sort of little wounded inner children. Otherwise, I feel there's a part that feels worthless and hopeless and helpless, and I can't tolerate those feelings. So then if I restrict, I feel like I have more control and then I feel better. And so the work of IFS is really getting to know multiple different types of parts. And in the the way the model works, and this is just a little bit of lingo. There are other parts, parts work models that use different language. But since we're talking about IFS, I'll use the IFS language. In IFS, we have sort of two big categories of parts. We have protector parts that try to protect us from feeling those really vulnerable emotions like feeling not lovable or feeling helpless or hopeless or powerless or worthless or ashamed, you know, feeling like garbage, like you're like, you don't have a right to exist. Some of these really young, painful feelings. And then we have parts that, uh, that carry those feelings. And so we call them protectors and exiles. The exiles are like the really vulnerable inner children Sometimes they're adult parts as well. They're not necessarily children. Mm-hmm. You might have exiles that are thirty years old, for example, and then you have the protectors that try to keep you from feeling those feelings. And the protectors go into two categories: managers and firefighters. And the managers are the first line of defense. They and and we tend people tend to reward us for our managers. Our managers tend to sort of be proactive about trying to fend off feeling any of those painful emotions. So our managers do like our to-do lists, our inner critics, like mm-hmm. they they make sure that we're on time, like timekeeper parts. They help us get our homework done. They make sure that we take good care of our children, like, you know, they, but they put a lot of pressure on us and they often are really exhausted from pushing us so hard to try to comply, to get along, to be socially acceptable, to be people pleasing, to be approval seeking, to get good grades, to, you know, win professional achievements or win money Mm -hmm. or win gold stars or whatever. I have, I have parts that love gold stars. So those managers are typically the ones that would make the new year's resolution. And then the firefighters are the ones that we tend not to like. These are the parts that we might demonize or feel ashamed about in ourselves or judge in other people. We might hospitalize these parts or medicate these parts or send these parts to rehab or send these parts to prison. We don't like our firefighters usually, and they often carry a lot of shame because For example, the parts that make New Year's resolutions are trying to get rid of those parts. But the Mm. firefighters also think they're trying to help us. It might not look obvious because on the outside, it looks like, well, wait, how can the binge drinking part be trying to help us? Or how how can the part that's cutting your face be trying to help you? Or how can the eating disorder part be trying to help you? Or how can a part that is like sexually molesting your child be helping you. And Dick Dick's latest book is called No Bad Parts.
0: Yeah.
1: And that's that's hard for some people to consider. Like, wait, no, a sexual molester part is a terrible part, right? Or a part that's mainlining opiates is a terrible part, right? We have to we have to stop those parts. And yes, we do sometimes have to put those parts in rehab or we have to put them in the hospital or we have to put them in jail because you know, we obviously have to be accountable for our actions in the world, but the work, for example, um, Dick and his team have done a lot of work with people in prison to get to know their murderer parts or get to know their, their molester parts or get to mm-hmm. know their violent parts. And for example, let's just take those extremes. Almost always when somebody has a part that's doing something violent like that, it's because they had exiles that were overpowered early in childhood usually and some part of them decided never again am I going to be the least powerful person in the room mm. and so they join a gang and they buy a gun or they become a CEO or a doctor or a lawyer or they you know or a guru and they may then abuse their power in a variety of ways as sort of a side effect of trying to make sure that they're never that vulnerable and they're never overpowered again and so people can get sort of these power hungry parts that can do really bad things but they're they're trying to protect those young inner children who got controlled or overpowered and so when we work with those parts to find out who they're protecting the work of IFS is to like relax the managers get to know the firefighters and then become intimate with the firefighters and show up in this sort of generous way. Like, why are you doing this? How are you helping me? What are you afraid would happen if you didn't do the thing that you're doing that's actually like self-destructive or it's maybe destructive to others? And it's so tender. Like, I have definitely come to realize we cannot love our firefighters enough. So in the case of fibromyalgia. That was my next question.
0: Yeah, how does the... IFS viewed it
1: Mm -hmm. right. So in the case of of fibromyalgia, the fibromyalgia symptoms might be the firefighters, right? So because we don't like parts that give us pain, we don't we don't like parts that make us suffer, but actually hating the part causes it to backfire.
0: So, can, you, can you continue, like what, so what might be, the way I understand fibromyalgia is like it's a signal from the brain, you know, like something is off. What, um, what is your understanding of how it could be viewed? What you just mentioned, firefighters protecting the person from what might be their role.
1: Well, can I do a guided practice? Maybe it's almost easier to show people than to yes, explain please, it cognitively. Please, please. So maybe, and if, if anybody is listening who maybe is a, a doctor or healer who's working with fibromyalgia, but you don't have fibromyalgia, maybe work with just any physical symptom that you might have. It might just be like a tightness in your neck or you've got a little low back pain or you're feeling like you've got a little bit of a headache right now. Like, And if you don't have any physical symptom, then maybe you can pick another firefighter, some part that you wish would change that you've maybe made New Year's resolutions to try to contain or control. So if you can, just go ahead and close your eyes. My parts, I can see them or feel them or sense them better when I have my eyes closed, but some people get triggered with their eyes closed so you don't have to close your eyes. But if you could just try to take your attention out of the outer world and bring it a little bit more into your inner world and just notice, just see if you can notice your body, just feel your breath, And try to position yourself, especially if you're somebody who's in pain. Just see if you can position yourself in in a way that maybe you have just a little bit more comfort. Just really check in and allow your muscles to relax. And notice if there's one area in your body that just doesn't want to relax. That's maybe there's some pain or some other physical symptoms. So just see if you can put your attention there. And try, you know, notice any parts that don't like that feeling, that are judging that feeling, that are wish that feeling would go away, and just acknowledge that that makes total sense. That if you have a part that hates your fibromyalgia or hates your pain, that makes total sense. And just see if those parts that really hate, hate the symptom, if we could just give those parts to step back, maybe go into another room if they're willing and just give a little bit of space so that we can approach, just let them know if you have parts that hate your symptoms that are afraid of letting us do this, just let them know that our, our goal is to just get a little bit of insight and maybe offer a little bit of healing. And we have really good intentions and we don't, And if those parts don't want to step aside, that's totally fine. We never make parts go faster than they want. So if you have parts that really hate your symptoms and they don't want to relax, then you can focus on them instead. That's totally fine. But if they're willing to trust us a little bit, that maybe we can get a little bit of insight or offer a little bit of relief. Just see if maybe they'll just step aside or or go into a waiting room. And then come back to whatever area might be feeling distressed or in pain right now. And see if you can just open your heart a little bit and focus your attention a little bit. And
2: just put some breath in that space. And just see if you can, first of all, notice where in your body it is.
1: see if it has a color or a flavor or maybe an image maybe it shows you
2: a picture
1: see how close you can get to whatever is showing up like if you are the divine self the spiritual self the wise self the the ideal inner parents And you're approaching this body part or this symptom or if you get an image, if you're approaching this image, just see how it responds to your attention and see if anything shifts or changes or if that, if your attention evokes anything else.
2: And maybe it moves in your body and if so, just move your attention if it happens to move. And see how close you can get.
1: Just let it know you're here to help. And that, you know, maybe you're sorry if there's suffering. Just let it know
2: you're really sorry. And
1: just let it let it know that you, you want to understand better. And see if it'll let you get to know this part that's in pain a little bit better. And you can just ask it, what does it want you to know?
2: Is there anything it wants you to know? And if it thinks it's helping you in some way,
1: how is it helping? What is its intention for you? Assuming it, it's really wanting to help you in some way.
2: And if it, if it gives you any information, just let it know. Like, okay, thank you.
1: That makes sense. Like, just give it any validation that it needs and just offer sort of some curiosity about
2: it if you can find any curiosity.
1: And if you get any information, just notice how you feel about this. And if you have any parts, again, that don't like it or that are judging this part or hating on it or anything, again, ask them if they'll step aside. See if you can just bring some curious, compassionate
2: kindness to whatever's arising. And then assuming this part is trying
1: to help you just see, how, how does it feel about, about the way it's trying to help? Does it like doing this job? Does it not like doing this job?
2: A lot of t- times, these parts are really tired. They've been
1: working really hard. Just, and if that's the case, just let it know that you get that. that that's, sometimes it's a lot of work to try to get your attention this way or
2: to try to help you in this way. And just
1: see how it responds if you let it know, like, you know, it's possible that we could sort of help these parts um, not have to work so hard and see how it would feel about that. And if if it feels okay with that, what else would it like to do if sometimes these parts are really scared that we're going to make them go away or we're going to hate them or we're going to kick them out in some way. If you let it know, like, we're not going to make you go away but we could maybe give you a better job or a way that wouldn't cause so much suffering or pain in the system. Like just see if there's something else that this part would rather be doing.
2: And just ask this part, how old was this part when it got its job? How old were you when this part got its job?
3: and ask it how old it thinks you are now
2: and sometimes our parts think we're much
1: younger than we are so if you are older than this part thinks you are just update it let it know how old you are and let it know you're really wise and smart and kind and loving and maybe if you have kids of your own you know and you're a good parent let them know like you're you're a grown up and you have the capacity to take care of young parts or young children, and see how it responds to being updated to know that you're grown up and that you're maybe really
2: competent in some ways. And assuming you have, you're developing
1: some rapport with this part, just ask it: What is it afraid would happen if it quit doing this job? What is its biggest fear?
2: And if you get any answer
1: to that question, if it's in any way tender or vulnerable, sometimes it is. Just let these parts know that you get that and just really do your best to like open your heart and extend your care. Sort of reach out if possible and maybe give give any parts that are willing to let you give them a hug. Just kind of extend some empathy. Let it know it makes sense. and. Just really try to love these parts. They all just really are craving our love. And they're often really used to getting our
2: bullying or our our hatred or the opposite of love. So just see if if it's genuine. Well, we're going to...
1: Come out of this meditation in just a minute, but just ask any parts that you met during this time if there's anything that they need from you going forward. Is there any just one small thing, one small step? And anything they say is okay. Sometimes they'll just say, I just, will you take me out for ice cream? So just see if there's one small thing you can do to comfort your parts or take action on their behalf to stand up for them or. Maybe just some or intuition that you get about what might support your healing journey. And sometimes all they want is to know that you'll come back and check on them. So if that's something you're willing to do, then just let them know, okay, I'll come back tomorrow and I'll just sort of
2: check in and see how you're doing. So just
1: bringing in any parts that went into the waiting room. Like if we had parts that were scared or parts that didn't like these parts or any parts that gave some space, just bring them in to sort of thank them for giving some space and and let them see how this went and see how they respond. And just checking into your body and see if anything has shifted or changed. If there's, any less pain or if the pain maybe has moved or if there's a little bit more settling in the nervous system or if you feel your heart a little bit more open even if you do feel pain just acknowledging any shifts that might have happened and if not just acknowledging that also and when you're ready just go ahead and open your eyes again and just sort of open your eyes gently and come back into into this dimension into your outer world and how you're feeling
0: Wow. <laughs> that was absolutely stunning. Lisa, thank you so much for this. I feel like we could just finish and <laughs> to go about what the parts told us to do. My parts mm. wants me to go to bed on time mm. <laughs> tonight. Yeah, yeah. Everybody who is listening please put this on repeat. And this, this is IFS in a nutshell. This is thousands of dollars in therapy. Some people pay what Lisa, mm. Lisa just demonstrated. It was beautiful. Mm. And I would go back to it. I will go back to it. Every time I need to remind myself how to do that. Thank you so much, Lisa. That was so generous.
1: Oh, it's and my pleasure. It's, like I said, it's sometimes easier to show people than to tell people.
0: And wow. you are absolutely right. If you like this episode, please share with someone who can benefit from it too. For questions and comments, you can find me on Facebook under Martina Lenartova. That is M-A-R-T-I-N-A L-E-N-A-R-T-O-V-A or on my website at www.martinazinginbindmdcoaching.com and that is www.m-a-r-t-i-n-a-z-i-e g-e-n-b-e-i-n mdcoaching.com and lastly as always i appreciate a lovely five-star review or feedback from you at any time